Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. If you've been with me before, you'll know that each week I present a chapter from one of my novels. We've done three seasons so far, one for each of my first three books. If you're joining us in the middle of things, then you might want to go back and start at the beginning, or at least at the beginning of a season. Each book is standalone, but they are all part of the series and flow basically in chronological order. So, on to this week's podcast, in which I'll be reading to you from my novel Nightwatch, which is the fourth book in the Devil and Quinn series. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next chapter, Nightwatch, as well as the other three books in the series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. And as always, if you'd like to order this or any of my books, click on the link in the podcast info to visit my website, jcbodden.com. Now let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 410, Nightwatch, chapter 10. Max slid around to the other side of the booth. Tracy smiled at him and nibbled on her pizza. I'm so sorry, she said again, just as he was taking a large bite. He held up his hand, chewed, then wiped his mouth. Don't worry about it, really. Now we're even. Even? Yeah. Remember how I gave you a hard time about Richard? He took a swallow of his beer. I was a real jerk, so now we're even. Are you saying that I was a jerk? He grinned and shrugged, his mouth full of pizza again. Do you really think I'm gorgeous? Tracy felt herself blush. Yeah, okay, you're right, we're even. Maybe you should tell me about the rest of your family so I don't make a fool of myself anymore. He helped himself to another slice of pizza and settled back in his seat. He looked across the table at her, an odd smile on his face, before he began. I've got three older sisters, Miriam, that you met tonight, he winked, is the oldest. She's 34, eight years older than me. She and Nick have the three boys, Zeke, Jake, and Shane, plus Kira, who lives with her mom in Montgomery, but is going to Auburn and started working here this summer. Miranda is the next oldest sister. She's 31 and a history professor. Here at Auburn? He shook his head. No, University of North Carolina. She's the brain of the bunch. Tracy wiped her mouth. Okay, Miriam, then Miranda. Who's next? Meredith, she's 29, teaches high school English at Opelika High, married her college sweetheart. They just had a baby boy. Not Meredith Winston. Yeah, you know her? Not really, but her son is close to Reese and Tessa's age. Jenny introduced us once when we all showed up at the pediatrician's office at the same time. So, three sisters, huh? For a second, Tracy thought she saw a shadow pass over his face. Then he smiled. Three sisters. Yep. She wondered what else was there, but she chose to ignore it. Their names all start with an M. Yeah, they used to call them the M&M sisters, he chuckled. I called them the candy-coated nuts. So how come you don't have an M name? I've got dear old dad's name, remember? But don't forget, my friends call me Mac, so there's the M for me. How come you still don't? Don't what? Call me Mac. Aren't we friends yet? She thought for a moment. Friends would be good. It was just that she hoped for more. She wondered if she had blown it tonight with her jealous act. Do you want me to call you Mac? He smiled that killer grin as he considered it. Truthfully? No. I like hearing you call me Gabriel. You're the only one who does. In a weird way, it's like a pet name you have for me. He reached across the table and stroked his fingers across the back of her hand. Tracy's stomach tightened again. Apparently, he didn't mind the jealousy. 
Maybe they were more than friends. She smiled as she asked, Is the middle sister, Miranda, married? No. Well, kinda. She's with someone. I mean, she has a partner. He looked at her and smiled slightly as he fidgeted with his beer mug. Actually, she's gay. Tracy shrugged. Yeah. Matt cleared his throat. It was quite the shock to Mom and Dad, although I think the rest of us knew long before she ever came out. How about you? I'm straight, she said with a smile. Okay, he grinned. Her sense of humor matched his. I meant, how about your family? Oh, well, you know I grew up at Twin Oaks. My foster mom, Tilly Connor, was Uncle Devlin's first wife's twin sister. Mac nodded. That's why you call him uncle. Exactly. Brothers? Sisters? Nope. Well, unless you count my fosters. My dad split before I was born. My mom raised me until I was six. Then she... She paused and brushed her bangs back off her forehead. She got sick. I went to Twin Oaks when she couldn't take care of me anymore. I don't really have a family. Mickey and Tilly Connor are some of the best people I've ever known, Tracy Lee. You should be proud to call them your family. The O'Quins, too. You're more than just their nanny. They care about you. Mac watched as her eyes filled with tears and thought about adding that he cared for her, too. Instead, he took the easy way out and changed the subject. What do you think of the pizza? Tracy rubbed her knuckles against the corners of her eyes. You're right. It's very good. She looked at the two slices still on the tray. I'm stuffed. You'll have to eat these last two pieces. She pushed the tray toward him. I can do one more, he said with a grin, scooping it off the tray. But this other one's going to have to go in a to-go box. You could save it for your lunch tomorrow. As she watched him polish off the last of his pizza, gesture to Kira for a box and the check, and then leave her payment and tip on the table, Tracy smiled to herself. He really was a nice guy, despite the way she thought the date had been going at first. When they stood to leave, he helped her with her coat and then led her by the hand to the front door, which he held open for her. Out on the sidewalk in the cool October air, he slipped his hand around hers. They stopped at his Jeep, and Mac left the leftover pizza box on the floor behind his seat. Let's go for a walk, he suggested. As they strolled along the sidewalk, window shopping at the bookstore and alumni center, he pulled her close and slipped his arm around her waist. It felt so easy, so natural. Tracy sighed and rested her head on his shoulder. She wanted this walk to last forever. At the end of the block was the famous set of live oaks where, after every football victory, thousands of crazed fans would party and stream toilet paper from every possible branch. The street held only a few people tonight, although it would be crowded tomorrow. Under the streetlight, Max stopped and turned to her, pulling her body against his, slipping his hands under her jacket and wrapping his arms around her waist. Tracy Lee, he breathed in her ear. Her stomach tightened as his breath tickled her skin. Tracy smiled into his eyes and wrapped her arms around his neck. She leaned into the kiss, which was slow and deep. This time she was not so taken aback. She wasn't so much being kissed as kissing. Maybe it was the beer. Maybe it was the romantic location. Maybe it was just the fact that she somehow trusted him a little more. Whatever it was, she kissed him like she meant it. She knew he was more experienced than she. She also suspected he had never really been in love. Maybe didn't even really believe in it. She intended to show him exactly what it was, exactly what he had been missing. Federal Agent Palmer Bryant was sitting in Devlin's office. 
I want to talk to the tellers from both banks. Okay. And I'm going to need to see the tapes and the recovered money. You got it. And I want to talk to the security guard. Devlin ran his fingers through his hair. We're going to set y'all up in the conference room. When's the rest of your team going to be here? Tomorrow morning. Y'all got hotel rooms? Yeah, at the heart of Auburn. Good thing it's not a home game this weekend. You got that right. Whatever you need, just let me know. I'm at your disposal, Palmer. Palmer squinted across the desk at his old friend. Listen, I just wanted to say again how sorry I am about all that shit before, you know, with Tygen. Devlin smiled slightly and shook his head. Listen, Palmer, you know I was attacked last week. That's why I'm all stitched up and got this cast on my leg. I've heard a little something about it. You okay? Well, the physical stuff is a pain, but I'll get over that. On the other hand, I've got no memory of the past two years. No shit. Yeah, so anyway, I've heard a few tidbits about Tygen, but as far as you feel in the need to apologize, don't. It's over and done with and literally forgotten. Palmer eyed Devlin carefully. Okay, well, if you ever want to know the whole story, you know there's plenty of people who will give you chapter and verse. Thanks, but from what little I've heard, that's one day that's probably better left forgotten. Devlin didn't really believe that, but he didn't want to get into it all with Palmer Bryant right now. There were two bank robberies that needed to be investigated. Okay, well, just let me know, Palmer stood. Your lab tech ready for me? Yeah, it's just down the hall, first door on the right. Her name's Mandy. She's good. I'll be down there in a bit. I've got to deal with my wild-ass rookie. Palmer nodded, his hands on his hips. The one who got a little excited with his gun? Yep. He shook his head, whistled low through his teeth. I wouldn't trade jobs with you for anything right now. Yeah, I know. Devlin ran his fingers through his hair again. When their lips parted, Mac pushed the hair back from Tracy's face. Want to walk down to Graves Amphitheater? There's a band playing that I want to hear. Sure, she murmured, still thinking about that kiss. As they turned and started walking, she suddenly stopped, tugging his hand. Wait, how come you're not already down there? Mac looked at her, his trademark grin spread across his face. Because I'm here with you. No, seriously, she stomped her foot for emphasis. The George Sam boys aren't playing tonight, are they? No, not tonight. We've only been together for about four months. The AU program department books these mini-concerts further in advance than that. Oh, okay. For a second I thought you had given up a chance to play in order to take me to dinner. He grinned again at her. I'd have given up just about anything, Tracy Lee, in order to take you out tonight. He wrapped his arm around her waist. Come on, let's go check out the competition. She hesitated and then nodded, allowing herself to be pulled along. She knew he was feeding her a line. Still, it made her smile. As they walked down the sidewalk, she stole a look at his profile. Strong chin, balanced by a good mouth, a well-formed nose, with cute, delicate ears, just as breathtakingly handsome from the side as from the front. After a moment, he felt her eyes on him and turned to smile at her. What are you thinking? I was just wondering how long you've been playing the fiddle. My mom's a music teacher. She used to work at the University Community Music School. Taught piano, violin, viola, and voice. All us kids were expected to play an instrument. I picked up my first violin when I was four years old. I played all the way through school, youth orchestra, marching and concert band, although I switched to trumpet for band. In college, I had a dual major, wildlife management and music performance. Really? 
Tracy was really impressed. She knew something of the kind of dedication it would take for that kind of accomplishment. Maybe he wasn't as much of a playboy as he has, was rumored to be. Either that, or he had very little need for sleep. Do your sisters still play? Mac chuckled softly. Miriam does. She was the pianist in the group. Now she mainly plays for her church, leads the children's choir. Miranda has the best voice of all of us, but she has really bad stage fright and won't perform in public. Meredith switched to the flute in high school. She was in the Auburn band, too. I don't think she has much time to play anymore, especially now that little Jack is on the scene. Do y'all ever all play together? Yeah, mostly at family gatherings. After Christmas Eve dinner, we move all the furniture back, everyone grabs their instruments, and we have a big concert. All the Christmas carols right there in the living room. Dad leads the singing. He's got a great voice, deep, booming bass. My mom always says it was the reason she fell in love with him. He reminded her of Elvis. You'll have to come. You'd enjoy it. Tracy looked at him again as they walked along, wondering if he was serious. Was he really inviting her to the McTaggart family Christmas Eve celebration? It was only October. She shrugged. I don't play an instrument. Yeah, but you can sing, I can tell. You've got a pretty voice. You and me, I bet we'd make some good music together. He pulled her closer to his side. Another line. God, he was full of them. She could only smile and shake her head. It was just after 8.30 when Devlin and Palmer Bryant finished going over the evidence and preliminary reports from the bank robberies. Palmer had left to go check into his hotel room and grab a bit, bite of supper. Devlin was in his office, signing the overtime authorization Teresa had left on his desk and going over the duty roster for the following week. He had sent her and Mandy home. His cell phone rang. O'Quinn, Chief, this is Travis. Devlin stopped everything he was doing and focused on the caller. Travis was a paramedic. Devlin's stomach tightened as he thought about each family member. Jenny, Joe, the twins, baby Tess, Elliot, Reese. What's up? His mouth was dry. I just transported Mindy Dubose to the ER. Mindy. First relief, then fresh worry, and a twinge of guilt. Yeah, she's been assaulted pretty badly. God help me. Okay, Travis. Thanks. I'm on my way. Devlin ran his fingers through his hair and took a deep breath. He rose from his chair, leaning both hands on the top of his desk. Tucker! he yelled out into the detective's room. Devlin heard a desk chair scrape against the floor and heavy footsteps moved rapidly to his office door. Tucker's face appeared reddened with that small amount of exertion. Sir? Mindy Dubose is in the ER. Tucker's eyes narrowed. Is she okay? Assaulted, that's all I know. Shit, Tucker muttered, then looked sharply at Devlin, reddening even more. Devlin ignored the curse. We gotta get over there, Tuck. Yes, sir, of course. Want me to drive? Yeah, Tuck. Devlin slipped his phone into his pocket and attached his radio badge and gun to his belt. Let's roll. The walk to the amphitheater took about 15 minutes, and although the night air was cool, Tracy hardly noticed. Mac kept her pulled close, and they talked about everything and nothing as they walked along. Once, as they were waiting for a traffic light to change, he took her in his arms and kissed her senseless. They only came up for air when a car, turning the corner in front of them, beeped its horn. Mac smiled and waved and exchanged loud war eagles with the occupants. Tracy laughed and tugged his hand as the two of them crossed the street. They could hear the music long before they got to the small amphitheater, which was tucked under some tall pine trees just down the hill from the theater of music buildings. 
The crowd was fairly small, the setting intimate. Tracy had never been to an outdoor concert at this particular venue. Mac took her hand and led her to the front row of stone seats. The band was simple, three male musicians, acoustic and bass guitars, and a drummer. The lead singer nodded at Mac as he and Tracy sat. They were just finishing a song. The singer then turned to the small crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got the extraordinary local talent Mac McTackard in the audience tonight. Stand up, Mac. Mac stood and waved as the audience clapped politely. The lead singer continued. I want to ask Mac to come on up on stage and join us for this next number. Mac shook his head, mouthing the word no. The singer insisted. Come on, Mac, we need you. He turned back to the audience. What do y'all say? This time the applause was much more pronounced. Mac held up his hands. Okay, okay, he agreed, but just one song, then it's back to just y'all. I'm here as a fan. Slipping his coat off, he turned to Tracy. Do you mind? he asked her, his eyes shining. No, of course not. Go ahead. I'm looking forward to it. I love to hear you sing. He smiled and bent to give her a quick kiss, which only caused more clapping and cheering from the rest of the people in the amphitheater. She took his jacket and laid it across her lap as he stepped onto the stage. He rolled up his sleeves and leaned his ear to the lead singer. The two spoke for a moment and then turned to the crowd. Tracy heard a note from a pitch pipe. Max smiled down at her. She had to remind herself to breathe. The lead singer introduced the song. This is one of our favorites, but we needed a fourth voice to make the harmony complete. It's written about a little place not too far from here called Seven Bridges Road. The crowd cheered as he and Mac leaned to the microphone together. The four male voices melded together in perfect a cappella harmony. Chills ran up Tracy's arms. Mac was good, even better than she had thought, and he obviously enjoyed making music. Tracy heard a cell phone ringing. At first she was irritated, then she felt a vibration coming from the pocket of Mac's coat. Still keeping her eyes on the stage, she dug his phone out and glanced at the caller ID. Mom! She clicked the ignore button. The crowd went wild, jumping to their feet when the song was over, clapping and cheering. No one had expected Mac to bring so much to the group on the stage. He bowed deeply and looked down at Tracy. Tonight his smile went all the way to his eyes, and she saw exactly what she wanted to see pride, and happiness. Still grinning, he waved to the crowd and then jumped down from the stage. He grabbed her and gave her another kiss, then turned and waved to the crowd again. She handed him his jacket as everyone settled down for the next song of the performance. Your phone rang while you were on stage, she leaned against him and spoke into his ear. It was your mom. He looked at her sharply. Did you talk to her? No. She wondered at his tone. Oh, okay. He shrugged and reached into his pocket, pulling the phone out. It began to ring again in his hand. This time, the caller ID said, Miriam. He looked at Tracy, his eyes suddenly tense. Pressing his other hand against his ear, he stood and walked to the edge of the grass by the amphitheater seats. Tracy watched him carefully as the expression on his face turned from worry to confusion and back to worry again. As he slipped the phone back in his pocket, he turned to her, his face ashen. She stood and went to his side. They're taking my dad to the hospital, he said. I've got to go. Of course. Come on. That concludes this week's chapter of Nightwatch. Thanks so very much for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 411 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. And as always, I hope your wait is a happy one.